You're listening to Evolution Digital, where we talk about how various industries have adopted technology to stay relevant and competitive in today's digital market. I'm Tracy Sheckel. Welcome back to Evolution Digital. I'm Tracy Sheckel, and today our guest is Carrie Levine of Whole Woman Health. Carrie, tell us a little bit about your background, your career path, and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Jeez, I guess I'd start back in college. I was at the University of Maine in Orono, and I had the good fortune of working as a peer counselor at the Women's Health Clinic there and had the most compelling mentor, Ruth Lockhart, who actually started a feminist health center in Bangor called Mabel Mabel Wadsworth Women's Health Center. And that was sort of the first time I engaged with women in a health environment and ended up getting a degree in public relations and went back to Ruth, my mentor. And she said, well, what do you want your life to look like? How much debt do you want to have? And how long do you want to be in school? She said, how about a nurse practitioner? You know, and at that point it was, I don't know, 1991 and not everybody was a yoga teacher. So yes, so I was a little bit like, I don't know if I want to be a yoga teacher or a naturopath or a nurse practitioner. But I felt really strongly like I could affect the best change if I was part of the healthcare system instead of existing outside the healthcare system. So I decided to pursue becoming a nurse practitioner. And I had spent a lot of time working with women outdoors, doing physically challenging things like rock climbing and mountain climbing. And when I got to graduate school, I fell into a group of women and attended a birth and realized that all the skills that I had of supporting women doing physically hard things transferred to the birthing room. So I spent the first part of my career doing full scope midwifery attending births at our small little community hospital here. And then went to women to women in Falmouth, Maine, I'm sorry, Yarmouth, Maine in 2006. And there I was introduced to functional medicine, which is the kind of healthcare I practice now. And that was like finding language to everything I had understood about health, but didn't have words for. So I was at Women to Women for seven and a half years and then had what people call an entrepreneurial crisis. And I thought, I have to start my own business and I have to do it while I'm young enough to have the energy to make it go. So that when I'm old, it can support me. <laughs> so, so I did that in 2006 and I started Whole Woman Health. So cool. I now provide, I haven't been to a birth since 2006. People hear the word midwife and it's a little bit misleading because not everybody understands midwifery and then understands that it's there are different kinds of midwifery. But I, my practice essentially is women's health and functional medicine. So I haven't been to a birth in a really, in a really long time. <laughs> so that is fascinating. And the fact that the birth kind of turned things around for you, witnessing the birth, just gave me goosebumps because yeah. that is as hard as rock climbing. I can assure oh, you. <laughs> it's, the it's the hardest thing <laughs> ever. And it doesn't matter if you read the books or you went to class or... You studied it. It's just the hardest thing ever. Yeah. And most gratifying. And, you know, we we joked before we started recording about cursing. You wanna yeah. you wanna hear me curse? That's <laughs> when some real good expletives came out of my mouth. Yeah. Yep. I've heard it a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> but before we digress too far, so can you just give a, I don't know, 
three-minute definition of functional medicine for the folks out there who are not familiar with it? Oh, totally. So functional medicine is a systems biology approach to healthcare. It looks at the ways in which the body is interconnected instead of isolating out to specific organs. And it looks to get to the root cause of health problems. What physiologic balance, imbalance, is occurring that needs to be rebalanced for there to be optimal health. So it's really about drilling down into the biochemistry, figuring out where things went awry and trying to resolve it so that there's wellness instead of just slapping a medication on it to make a symptom feel better, but never actually really resolving the underlying problem. So I rely heavily on lifestyle and nutrition interventions lots of supplements, and then absolutely medication if that's what a woman chooses. And so in my brain, I'm hearing a holistic approach. That used to be a really big buzzword in healthcare 20 years ago. Is it similar? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of crossover between functional medicine, naturopathy, natural healing, holistic healing, Functional medicine is just a little bit more, I would say, structured, Mm -hmm. or it's one model among many models of ways to practice sort of more holistically. Okay. I have to mention something that I'm thinking about it now, just about because of the scope of your audience, Mm -hmm. that when I did my graduate school, it was distance education before distance education was even a thing. Really? Yeah. So I was using technology. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to be accurate about the year. I want to say it was 1995. And I can remember my school was the Frontier School of Midwifery and Family Nursing, which is now called Frontier Nursing University, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in Hyden, Kentucky. And so that was quote unquote where my school was. And I had to go to Kentucky a couple of times through my school, mm-hmm. but our classes were all quote unquote, online, back at a time where online was really just emerging. Where were you living and did you have connectivity for that? I know. So I started my graduate school at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland and Case had an affiliation with Frontier. So my master's degree is from Case and my certificate in nurse midwifery is from Frontier. So I was in Cleveland for two years. And then my then boyfriend, now husband, was like, I'm out of here. And and I was like, okay. And we had lived in Maine before and we knew that that was where we wanted to settle. So I was like, all right, well, let's go back to Maine. And I got a job on labor delivery at Maine Medical Center in Portland. And we found a house to rent in Georgetown. Georgetown, Georgetown, Maine, which is like, not the epicenter of Maine. And I I did have connectivity. Wow. So we started there and then we went to Kennebunkport and then we moved here to Newcastle. So I started that in Georgetown, Maine, I want to say 1995, give or take a year or two. I'm, I'm not taking the time to do the actual math. And it was distance education. So it was completely technology-based. Wow. Like I had paper modules. We would meet on, cl- we would meet on the computer I would interface with my professors on the computer. We had group class every, periodically, but not regularly. You just kind of worked your own way uh-huh. through the modules. And I think about that now in because my son is in college and I was like, 
yeah, man, I was doing distance education or remote learning or whatever you want to call it in 1995 Um, before it was even a thing. So just funny. Little did you know that that would help prepare you for what's been the last year or so as far as doing your own business. Holy cow, totally. And this is a total digression, but my son who went to Carabasset Valley Academy for high school, which is a ski academy mm-hmm. in Sugarloaf. So he spent his high school years essentially traveling the world, racing right. and doing his education remotely. So when he got sent home last March from the University of Maine, he was like, I know how to do this. I've done this for high school. It was really fascinating. It had to be weird for him though to be home, but I don't want to digress because I knew we were going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Before we talk about how you're conducting business in this pandemic virtual world that we're in, I think one of the unique things is, well, not unique, but things that I'd like to call attention to is just your networking has become digital. And I say that because a very dear friend of mine is one of your patients. And I'm guessing for HIPAA, I shouldn't say who she is, but she, on your request, forwarded an email to me about your business and your practice and your beautiful, messy, wholeness website and said, this is my practitioner and she's looking to do podcasts. And if you're interested, get a hold of her. So that is digital marketing in its purest form. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have to say I've, my business is coming on eight years old and I've had a Facebook page and almost the, I think the entire time and an Instagram page for not as long. And I've not ever invested a ton of time and energy into it because I have really found that my best marketing is word of mouth, woman to woman. And that is the reality of how I get the majority of my referrals along with referrals from other generally alternative practitioners like acupuncturists, Mm -hmm. kinesiologists, massage therapists. That has been my primary referral stream. When I first opened, You know, I definitely made a push to do some print marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And I never found return on the investment ever, ever, ever. So I stopped and I was just like, it really is word of mouth. That really seems to be how it goes. I see a woman, she tells her friend, she tells her mom, she wants me to see her daughter. Right. And so, and so it goes. But what changed, (laughs) I mean, a lot of things have changed, but I'm really pursuing writing a book about functional medicine and women's health because nobody has written an overview of the model. Mm -hmm. There are specific books and a lot of them are spun um, with weight loss because weight loss books sell. So you can find a book on hormones and functional medicine. You can find a book on gastrointestinal health and functional medicine, but nobody gives an overview of the model. Mm -hmm. And I've taken care of women in this model long enough. Women who've been all over the world. They've been to Hopkins. They've been to Dana-Farber. Nobody can get to the bottom of it. And they walk in to a functional medicine practitioner and finally they're getting better. You know, it's not 100% and it's not all the time and it's not everybody. I'm not trying to set a false sort of expectation, but 
when I first started at Women to Women and I was learning this model and I would see these women and I would feel completely underqualified and I would just implement what I learned and women would come back and they would say, I feel better. And you have to listen to that. Right. Well, yeah. (laughs) You have to listen to that. So publishing in the wellness industry really is dependent on how big your platform is. Mm -hmm. And so the beautiful messy wholeness is really a stepping stone toward that goal. It also is providing a vehicle through which I can communicate to a broader audience in general. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I invested the time and the money and the energy to develop this brand and develop this platform in an attempt to reach more women because I'm compelled by the work that I do and I want more women to know. And women are wanting to know, particularly now, what they can do to keep themselves well. Well, and I love, I've been, you know, obviously in prep for today, perusing around the website. And it's like, you have all these little bullets about how are you feeling, you know, yeah. feeling yourself aging. Yeah. I can relate on a level to every single one of them. It's like one of those websites that you just kind of want to stick around on and see what you have to say. I haven't quite gone so far as to like, you know, sign myself up, but Aww. it's very inviting, I have to say, as someone who is a marketer and manages yeah. a website. Yeah. So Thank you. It's definitely worth checking out because it's very easy to relate to. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I have shied away from social media because I, I'm a really integrity driven, driven person. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't figure out how to do it with integrity. And I feel like Soul Camp, the company I worked with for the branding and the website really understood that, you know, like I really want people to learn and I really want to offer value. And it's a sea out there. There's a sea of people and how to differentiate oneself in that market as offering something of value is it's really tricky. So I'm hoping to get a couple blogs up mm-hmm. this week and next. And I'm in the process of developing a multi-week. I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to be. It's going to be something like a 14-week blog series mm-hmm. on inflammation and immunity because of the relevance of the topic to the time. So really trying to break it down from a functional medicine perspective and like teach people a little bit about the functional medicine model and what does that look like? Teach people that within functional medicine, the gut is the home of inflammation and the immune system. And then if you don't have a healthy gut, you can't have systemic health and wellness. Explain a little bit about how the immune system works. You know, I I sort of uh, digressed last week because I did a webinar on COVID vaccines. So I feel like I finally have a good handle on how does messenger RNA vaccine mm-hmm. work? What is the issue and what are the people reacting to? And how can we go into vaccination as strong as we possibly can, both to have a good, strong immune response to it, should we choose it? Because not everybody's choosing it and that's okay too. What can we do to have a good, strong response, which is also about how do we keep our immune systems resilient? Right. You know, and like the variants are the classic example of like, it's still on us to do what we can. You know, if you choose vaccine, it's not, it's not a sure thing. We still want to do our part. Right. And there's a lot we can do that doesn't get talked about in conventional medicine. So anyway, that's what the blog series is about. And 
So as we're sitting here chatting about this website, one of us, and since I have it right in front of me, I should yes. tell the world how to get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks. It is beautifulmessyholeness.com. And yeah. it's beautiful, messy, and wholeness, just spelled the way you would spell them. No dots, no underscores. So check it out. Yeah. Before we get too far down the path of the website, Kim, we talk a little bit about how your business, and I'm assuming it has, has evolved from mostly in person to, I'm guessing, a little bit more telehealth because it's much more comfortable for people that are concerned about exposure and COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that when I was at Women to Women, we did telephone consultations, which wasn't anything I had done prior to that time. Um, But prior to that, I worked for a hospital system. So I think that the model is just super different. So I can remember being at Women to Women doing phone consults with women in France and Germany and Texas, you know, and it just allowed us to access women all over the world. And we actually had pen and paper charts at Women to Women, and we always sort of went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Do we switch to an electronic medical record? What about the cost? What about, you know, what barriers are there to that? And I certainly bump into those now. But when I opened my practice, I was like, I'm just going to start with an electronic medical record because clearly that's the way the world is moving. It's not going away. It doesn't matter if I like it. I just have to buck up and do it, which was a steep learning curve for me, for sure, because I am definitely a pen and paper kind of gal. <laughs> and, you know, I definitely still have some women who are resistant to it. Women worry about the confidentiality of it. Mm-hmm. And then older women, you know, they just like navigating a website and electronic forms is just too much. For many. And then there's just the issue of whether or not it's clear that people are supposed to fill out about 14 forms, quote unquote, the new patient paperwork online before they come. Mm -hmm. So I would say that before COVID, I was doing in-person visits and telephone consultations. And the practice was probably, I want to say 60% in-person and 40% telephone. When COVID happened, I shut down for two weeks like everybody else because we had no idea mm-hmm. what to do or how to do it or if we could do it or what was going to happen. And it wasn't long after reopening that it became, oh, so my electronic medical record company kind of hustled and offered telehealth through their HIPAA secure portal. And initially I was like, I'm not doing it because it was an additional cost. And at that time I was just like, I don't know if I have a business or I don't have a business. Mm. I just, nobody knew. Right. And, but it wasn't long. I want to say it was like six weeks. So it was probably the end of April last year where I was like, well, this isn't going away either. This being telehealth. Telehealth is not going away. And if I'm going to survive this, I'm going to have to do it. And I would say that now I probably do, I would say 70% is split between phone consults and telehealth and 30% is in person. Hmm. So let me ask, because part of the underlying message that this podcast is trying to make clear is the importance of reliable broadband. Hmm. How 
Are you finding things as far as your patients being able to connect? Has it been a big challenge? Is it regional as far Mm -hmm. as geography? So it's definitely not perfect. And I think, you know, just like we had a hard time beginning getting connected, that happens during patient visits too. I have to say, I have only had to reschedule one person because of internet on my end. And I have no idea what happened. It was better in the afternoon. I didn't change anything. I didn't any, I didn't any, anything, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes the connection is not perfect. Sometimes there's a delay. Sometimes we can't get the audio working. Sometimes it's super pixelated. And when it's that way, and it just seems like it's more frustrating than efficient, I generally will say to people, do you want to just switch to a phone? Mm -hmm. And that seems to work fine. And one of the things I will say about the telehealth, when people call and they say, well, what kind of visit should I schedule? And I say, unless you have a physical need, which I take care of so many women who were talking about digestion or we're talking about hormone balancing, you know, certainly I do routine annual exams and IODs and endometrial biopsies and those kinds of things. But I spend a lot of time just counseling with people. Mm -hmm. And um, what I tell them is, Unless you have a physical need, I encourage telehealth in part because we can see each other's faces without wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. which I love, and in part uh, just out of safety for everybody. Right. So I even am preferring the telehealth to the telephone because I can see people. Mm -hmm. And if we see people in person, then we're masked. You're not really seeing them. We're really not. You know, and there's... So much empathy and compassion, so much gets communicated. I think we're all learning through our faces. And you don't get that if you just have someone's eyes. I mean, you can get some, but it's different than having someone's entire face. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I, when I'm out in public, as annoying as it is to have a mask on and I wear glasses, which are constantly fogged, no matter how I situate the mask or what kind I wear, I I find myself trying to walk around with smiling eyes just so I don't look as grumpy as I feel. (laughs) It's a funny thing. I mean, I definitely ask myself the same question. I wonder what people can make of my mood just from my eyes. Yeah. You know, the things we think about in this world of living out the outside in masks. Yeah. So it may be difficult because I can't imagine things becoming more digitally dependent than they are right now. But this is what I like to refer to as my crystal ball moment. So how do you see yourself conducting business in a few years, assuming you haven't retired yet? Well, I won't retire in a few years. So I definitely see myself still practicing I think it's probably going to look pretty similar to how it does now. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like people are going to continue to choose telehealth and I encourage it. I'm like, why waste 40 minutes driving there and back? Mm -hmm. You know, we live in Maine. I'm only convenient for a handful of people. (laughs) Um, I also see patients in Brunswick in an effort to make it more convenient, but you know, why drive if you don't have to? We create so much more time for other things. Like I tell people, I'm like, let's just do a telehealth. If I don't need to put my hands on you mm-hmm. and take 40 minutes and go take a walk, like that is better time spent than in the car. So now speaking of you see patients in Brunswick, what are the locations where you see patients? Because I see them in Newcastle, Maine at my home-based clinic. And then I sublet 
from a colleague, Susan Kamen, who has Lifecycle Women's Health in Brunswick generally on Wednesdays. Okay. Yeah. And one of the questions that our Emily, our pre-production person put together, who would benefit from seeking your services? Which I think now that I've looked at the website, it's probably anybody who, you know, is human. (laughs) So is there a not a target market, but really who benefits the most from your services, would you say? I would say any woman interested in participating in her health and pursuing optimal wellness. And this is a silly question now that we know that such a huge portion of your business is um, home, you know, tele- telecom or telephone. Do you wear like professional clothing on top and sweats on the bottom. What does your day look like? (laughs) (laughs) Like when I'm, when I'm quote unquote seeing patients, Uh sometimes if I know I don't have anybody in person, I will wear blue jeans on the bottom, Uh (laughs) but I always go to the clinic for my clinic days. Even if I don't have anybody in person, just because I like the physical Mm -hmm. separation of work and home, even though it's just across the driveway. So on occasion, I will wear blue jeans and a sweater on top if I know I'm not seeing anybody in person. But you know, there's a there's a little bit of a different attitude for me when I'm quote unquote dressed. Yeah. And dressed for me now is more like, and I'm wearing corduroys. I mean, I can't <laughs> even tell you the last time I put on a skirt or a dress for work, which I used to do regularly. I know. <laughs> well, I learned the word hard pants a couple of weeks ago. Hard pants. As I opposed to sweats or yoga pants or tights. I love it. I love, it. I love it. Sometimes I do just dress from the waist up, but yeah. I, you know, it's like, it's a mindset thing. And I want, I want to be on my game mm-hmm. and I'm on my game in a different way. If I'm dressed a different way, that's just a truth for me. You know, if I'm in my yoga clothes or my comfy pants, as I call them, you know, my edge is a little bit different and really? I want a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, a little bit, I might not sit in the chair as straight. I might not have as good posh. I don't know. Like there's professionalism from me or me comes not just from the inside out, but also a little bit the outside in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I want women to, you know, I want women to have the best of me. So I gear up for that a little bit. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I played this little, I mean, now we're digressing again, but I played this little game, like I dress on top and I hang out in, you know, pajama pants on the bottom. And I feel like I'm putting one over on everybody. It's like this little game I play. (laughs) I mean, I have to say that I always dress for comfort, even when I'm dressed for work. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell people I look for socially acceptable pajamas to wear to work. There you go. That's generally how I've always dressed (laughs) <laughs> the messier the hair, the better. And my hair is like, it's all good. Like you can't necessarily tell. <laughs> well, but down to earth is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you we know. are all, again, just trying, just being human together. Right. <laughs> right. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for being here. Do you have any parting words before we sign off? Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, it's funny. I did a little Instagram live a couple of weeks ago. I'm getting more used to doing video things. And I was asked a similar question and it took me a little while to... I fumbled around for a little while until I landed on this. I think the last thing that I want to say is 
believe that there is a better way to take care of yourself if you walk out of your healthcare practitioner's office and feel unseen, unheard, and untaken care of. And if you know that there is something not right, even though your practitioner tells you you're fine, trust yourself enough to carry on and keep pursuing until you find someone who can truly help. Well, those are truly words to live by. <laughs> I thank you. I do. I, th- I mean, I, I have heard stories of people feeling not treated or not satisfied. So those are truly words to live by. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thank you again. And to our listeners, I say thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Evolution Digital. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for listening to Evolution Digital. I'm Tracy Sheckle, and I hope you'll join us again next time. If there's a conversation that you'd like to have here on the podcast, or you know of someone who would make an interesting guest, please visit otelco.com forward slash evolution dash digital and complete the submission form with your idea. Until next time, stay well.